Hey, it's Christy. Welcome to Do the Work. Today and every day, we'll talk about things that really matter. You, your thoughts, your feelings, your experiences. We'll discuss what emotional work looks, sounds, and feels like in our day-to-day lives. Relationships are what matter most, and they can be complicated. If you'd like a better connection with yourself, with others, and with your God, you are in the right place. So glad you're here. Welcome back to Do the Work. I'm so happy you're here. And Abby, you're back. Hey. (laughs) I'm so glad you're back. I'm happy to be back. From the first episode, Abby Christensen is here to talk with me today about several things, but so happy to have you here. And Abby is here today on the podcast and on the first episode as well. But Abby is always on the podcast, meaning she's on the podcast. She's on it. She's editing. She's uh, producing. She gets it ready to put out each week. So, so grateful for you, Abby. It's been fun. It's been fun to learn all the things. Really (laughs) grateful. Abby, so when we started, I think we had a commitment of your mom and my mom listening at least to that first one. I think we had like a neighbor or two in there. <laughs> like I think together we had about five. I know. <laughs> I know. It I as we were sitting here today and I was sharing with you, it's so fun. To, and we want to give a shout out to people who are listening and sharing the podcast and giving ratings. Every time someone does that, it gives us a chance to be heard by more people. We see you listening from Albania and Germany and Sweden. This was just from this last podcast um, from those countries and from other cities. Like, yes. What, Abby? My Saudi Daisy, Tennessee. We <laughs> want to know who you are in Saudi Daisy. We like you. <laughs> we want you to be our friend. <laughs> from Massachusetts, from Park City, Bountiful. We see you in Germany, in Smyrna, Georgia, mm-hmm. in Hamden, Connecticut. Hayworth, Illinois. I can't even say this name's town in Montana, but it looks really fun. Where is it? Let me help you. Cali Spell. Cali Spell. We see you. Thank you. We do. <laughs> From Hamden, Connecticut and Hayworth, Illinois. Harriman, Utah. Orem, Provo, Utah. Lehigh. Lehigh. <laughs> I nailed it. on this last one. Scottsdale. Thank you. From so many different cities, states, and countries across the world. Thank you. Thank you for listening and sharing. We're so happy to have you part of this. Yeah, it's been it's been really special to see where it's gone. Yeah. And what it's done. Yes, it's great. Okay, Abby, today I want to talk about the Cartman Triangle, more commonly known as the Drama Triangle, but I almost wanted to spell that out, D-R-A-M-A, because as soon as you say drama, I, I'm actually curious to those that are listening, who came to your mind? Yes. <laughs> who, when I said drama, were you thinking you? And were they 13? <laughs> yes or no? <laughs> and what gender? Right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, because when we think of drama, often we think of movies. The Bachelor. The, the Bachelor of Love Island. <laughs> are those drama? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's dramatic about? It? I don't watch those. What uh, What's dramatic about them? Well, in like the Cartman triangle sense or just in like the world? No, sense? in the worldly sense of drama. Like, why would you call it drama? Well, because I feel like that's how it's edited and presented to be entertaining and 
lots of big feelings and yeah, love is involved. People fall in love very quickly. Which <laughs> I don't know all the could create drama yes. in people's life, right? So they so they like the conflict. They like the conflict. Oh, for sure. Shows. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people watching it like the conflict too. You bet. Yeah. I, so I'm older than you by a lot. <laughs> and I used to love Gilligan's Island. I was, I was thinking about that as a kid. I'd love to watch Gilligan's Island. And man, there was always something that happened, right? The whole show is based on a shipwreck and something always happened. But really, it's not even, I mean, cartoons, almost everything we watch has some sort of drama in it that draws us in, pulls us emotionally into the experience. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The Bachelor, huh? Is it on right now? I actually don't. No, it's not on right now, but I don't know when it's starting. Okay. I'm more of like a Netflix reality TV dating <laughs> show. Okay. It's not good. Okay. Being a guilty pleasure. Okay. okay. Grey's Anatomy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Good. All right. So relationships are really important. And I wanted to, to talk, discuss this with you, Abby, because you're in a different space. Um, there are so many different ways to have relationships and what relationships are. We have familial relationships with our parents, with our siblings. We have friendships. We have um, courtships and, and like mate and spouse relationships. We have coworker relationships. So relationships are, we are hardwired to relate to other individuals. So why is it so hard sometimes? That's what I want to talk about is why is it so hard? I think that are really good points because one, like relationships are universal and two, relationships are complicated. And I think that even if, I don't know, I think when you look at like certain relationships, you're like, that's a really hard relationship. But I think even just in healthy relationships, I think that there are still complications and still like, it's still navigating different things. So even in like, unhealthy and healthy relationships, I feel like there are hard aspects and hard parts of it. So both of those things are universal. And so I think it's really important that we do talk about it and we talk about where some of that comes from and where some of those feelings come from. And that will just hopefully give us some tools to be able to navigate those in our lives a bit better. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, Something I see often with my clients and just in life in general Often people will just say, you know, I, and I think I've touched on this on podcasts before, but this is just who I am and uh, the ways that we show up. So maybe someone goes quiet or maybe someone gets really angry. Oh, I'm sorry. I just have this anger. I get angry or like, but what we don't understand or take the time to look at is why, why did I go quiet? Why, why do I get angry? We respond to life experiences and we try to tell ourselves, and there's some of this, but we try to, well, that's just who I am or how I think. But we're going to talk about today that probably more often than not, the way we respond to an experience in life, any experience in life, because experiences are neutral, right? We put meaning onto experience. So the way that we respond to our real life experiences actually could just be learned behaviors and we can unlearn them. Yeah. It feels happy to me. Yes, but you're right in that it does take work and it takes asking the third, fourth, fifth question. And I think that a lot of 
Today, we're going to be talking about different roles in relationships and different places that we can go. And to be transparent, like when we first talked about this, a lot of it was like, um, so he fits into this role and she fits into that role and they fit here and like kind of going in the different people in my life and like categorizing them in different places. Yes. But, you know, I had to challenge myself to think, okay, where do I fit into this? And I think that's the invitation that I'd give to people who are listening today is, I think it's a natural tendency to want to like categorize certain people into certain groups um, because it brings meaning to those experiences. Yes. It brings meaning to certain feelings that you put to those experiences. Yes. But also to take the next step to think of like, hmm, like what about me? And like, where do I fit into this? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for that. Okay. So the Cartman Triangle, Dr. Cartman developed his, he called it the drama triangle, which includes a victim, a rescuer, and a persecutor. He created this almost 45 years ago, and it is so helpful. So everyone who's thinking, oh, this isn't me. I'm so chill. That's often what I'll hear. Like, I'm just, I'm so chill, or I don't care, whatever. It shows up in a lot of ways, but often those responses are coming from a space of drama, coming from a rescuer space or from a victim or a persecutor. So let's just describe victim persecutor control. Um, and this comes actually from a, an article written by Linda Graham that you can find online at lindagram-mft.net. A victim, the way that she describes it, comes from the stance of poor me. Victims see themselves as victimized, oppressed, powerless, helpless, hopeless, dejected, and ashamed, and come across as super sensitive, wanting people to wear kid gloves. Um, often people who are victims, you're walking on, quote, eggshells around people who believe that they're victims. The person that's in the victim role will look like a rescuer sometimes or a savior to save them. Rescuers, they'll drop anything for anyone at any time. Yeah. And it's the, let me help you. Let me take care of you. Let me control the situation in a sense of like trying to make all happy feelings, yeah. kind of zero conflict. I want everybody to feel good. I want everyone to feel good. No, no one needs to help me. Like, I'm the capable one. I'm good at it. Like, I've got it. They're often like very codependent enablers of other people and the things that they're doing. And lots of times they aren't happy if they're not helping someone else. They find value from it. Yeah. They don't recognize that they've attached their worth to it. Right. Yeah. 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 Good. Okay. Thank you. And then persecutors come from us from a place of it's all your fault. You're the reason we're miserable. You made the mistake. You you know, what is wrong with you? They criticize and blame. They set very strict limits. They often they call them boundaries, but really what they are are walls or just massive control. They're often rigid. They move to angry quickly. They can be unpleasant to live with. Persecutors can't really bend. They're not really flexible in a lot of different ways. So We'll talk about real life experiences, but it's an interesting thing. When you're in one, you're generally in all three. Someone who's persecuting also is persecuting because they believe they're a victim in some experience and they want okay. to control the experience. Yeah. So if I'm a victim, I'm often also persecuting and rescuing or controlling at the same time. So it's a triangle. There's a lot to it. <laughs> it's a triangle. That's exactly right. So, Christy, I. I want to know, like, why do we do this? Like, why do we go into the triangle? 
Why do we go into these three roles? Like, where's that stemming from? It's a really good question because if we don't understand why we go there, we won't, you won't be able to see it. We won't be able to hear it. We can see it pretty clearly in other people, but it's much harder to see it us. The reason we go into victim, persecutor, or rescuer is because we're unsure or we don't want to stay present in our current experience. Maybe we don't want to feel something. Maybe we don't want to say something. Maybe we don't want to see something. And so instead of just walking right into the reality, we leave the experience emotionally and we use one of these tactics to avoid really feeling and experiencing what's happening. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And and like an avoidance of, you always say like feeling is healing and there's value in like being present and experiencing that. But if we're adding, you know, positive or negative feelings to experiences, like you said earlier, Mm -hmm. then I can see the like human nature side of wanting to control that or escape from it. Yeah. Just kind of like live out of the experience. Yeah. Well, for example, I can slide into victim, you know, faster than almost anything I can do. I can slide into that place of this isn't fair or this doesn't like it shouldn't be this way or why me? Right. I can go there so quickly and that's me sliding into victim. So I can give you a lot of examples. The other night, all of a sudden I hear this sound in my heater, in my furnace. I come out of my room. I'm like, ooh, that doesn't sound good. Went downstairs to my furnace and it was loud. It's like this humming, like kind of loud noise. So I turn it off. I come upstairs. There's a terrible smell and like haze all in my, I'm like, my house is burning down. <laughs> I'm getting nervous for where this is going. <laughs> my first instinct, <laughs> my natural response was I went out onto my porch because I was like, <laughs> what do I do? Is my house about to blow up? You know, I didn't know. But just almost immediately, I had this temptation to go to, why me? I almost like I want to like list all the things I've already experienced this year. And why me? That why me is completely a victim space. And I lose my power there. Yeah. I become helpless, hopeless in that space right? So I can see it and recognize it. And so I don't stay there very long. And coming out of that space, I, okay, what choice do I want to make? But it can go like all so many different directions so fast. Yeah. I could tell you all the directions that we've got to feel like, okay, that's enough. So does that make sense with, yeah, that's an example of victim. So when that happened, you're like, okay, go into victim for a moment. But then because of your tools and because you're aware of this, you say, oh, I'm going into victim and can kind of like self-correct. Yeah. Without those tools, do you see that people just stay there? Yeah. Yes. And I, I what does that look like? And I want to be genuine. I actually started to cry as I was sitting. I want to cry now saying it. I felt scared. I felt alone. I felt unsure. And so I didn't want to feel those. And that's why victim almost feels like a reprieve. It's almost like a, yeah, this isn't fair. I shouldn't be feeling this. Instead of just feeling, in truth, I was alone. I was scared. I wasn't sure. Those are all feelings that are uncomfortable to feel. And so, yes, the ironic thing is, is that when I go into victim, instead of just feeling those feelings, 
When I go into victim, I stay there and I spin. And then I start gathering more evidence. See, my life isn't fair. There isn't. And then really, this, this is where really painful emotional and, and mental pain can come from sometimes because we live in this space of my life should be different. I shouldn't have a bad furnace. Okay. Like almost shamey kind of. Absolutely. Yeah. Sh- shamey, but it's like this protector to like, okay, yeah, if no one else is going to protect me, oh, I shouldn't have this happening to me. It's a false sense of security. Okay. Instead of, oh, furnaces go out. Dang it. Yeah. Almost like this injustice happened. Yeah. Yes. I'm a victim to the furnace. Okay. Or I'm a, a victim to the water heater. I'm a victim to my, the poop that's in my front yard. Yeah. You already talked about that. So, okay. Follow up question. In that moment, you were scared. Yeah. And in that moment, you did feel alone. Yeah. So when it goes into victim is when you attach injustice or like negative value or like the, why does this always happen? Yes. Like, and it's not necessarily that you felt alone and scared. It's that, of course, this would happen to me. Yeah. My stupid furnace. Yeah. Yeah. My stupid furnace. That's exactly it. Or I could go to other things that are stupid. <laughs> uh, really fast. I can't, but, but that's, that's the human brain. Yeah. Right. It tries to find a reason like to, to almost protect me. But in the end, it doesn't protect me. It actually hurts me to go into that. I'm sure we've talked about the 90 second feeling, but scientifically, emotions last about 90 seconds. Wow. I mean, we've all spent days and weeks and months and years. Yeah. Yes. But if we will stay in the experience, it lasts about 90 seconds. So sitting on the porch, crying, feeling alone or feeling whatever I was feeling, actually is a really healthy, it's like I, it's this moving through the pain and then I can actually make choices to move forward. Yeah. But when we don't, when we won't stay in the experience and we go into victim, persecutor, controller, we get stuck there. Yes. Okay. I think it's just empowering to feel like that there's another option because yeah, I think in an attempt to control your emotions and control your feelings in that moment, it is important to put meaning to it. And the real meaning is that choices go out, but the meaning that like is fueling that drama or like making your story mm-hmm. make more sense to you. I've had the worst day, the worst week, the worst yeah. year, this, you know, and like bringing yeah. that into it. But there is another option, another alternative. And the alternative isn't having zero feelings about it. Yes. Thank you. So well said, Abby. The other alternative isn't to not feel. It's the best alternative. Feel it. Yeah. Feel the loss. Feel the loss of the furthest. Like, <laughs> the lo- you know, because financially and all the things that the loss of a furnace can mean. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that hurts. I'm okay. I'll get through it. What do I need to do next? And I have to give a shout out to my neighbor. When I texted he and his wife to say, are you awake? It was almost midnight. An immediate response. I am. What do you need? Oh, it was so tender. And if I'd been in victim on my porch, I could have stayed there all night long, just licking my wounds. Did you say, uh, my house is burning down? <laughs> <laughs> and oh, he was so on. He's like, you're not sleeping here. Get over it. He and his wife took care of me. That I just... Yeah. 
when we, when we stay in an experience, not only do we connect with ourselves and work through whatever it is that we're experiencing, but our, our ability to connect with other people, it increases exponentially as well. So that anything else with victim? Well, there's millions of examples we could use, but we'll come around and okay. come back around to that. So uh, persecutor, what examples? Do you have any in your life? I'm, I can always share what persecutor might look like, mm-hmm. sound like, feel like. Well, I just don't want to be too specific. <laughs> so persecutor, let me, let yes, me remind you, a persecutor is someone who says it has to be my way. It, this is right. They are demanding. They can, you know, they use anger or other strong emotions to control environments. Does that ring a bell anywhere? Yes. I think in it just even places you might see it in other people or spaces. Yeah, I think a lot of how I've seen it show up in a few of my relationships. Um, and again, this is a lot of like how I see it showing up in relationships with other people. Kind of like yeah. I talked about at the beginning and yeah. that that's the easiest place to go first. You bet. I just, I feel like I've surrounded myself with some strong-willed people. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it isn't like, this is me. This is me. I decided. I decided. And too bad. So sad. Like, yeah. it's not as obvious as that, but it's very much like, nope, this is this is my truth and you can accept it if you want. Or no, I'm going to do this and this is it. So if you want to stay in this space, fine. But then like, I'm not going to do it any other way. And it doesn't often feel like a relationship where it's kind of like, I'll give this and you give this. And okay, like this doesn't work great for me, but this, you know, like, I don't know, you might be thinking of all the red flags and there are nice sensitive things I'm saying. <laughs> like, I'm, I just feel like with people, there you're never going to be 100% aligned with things. Right. And I think that a lot of in persecutors that I've seen is like, this is it. Yeah. And I think I would either so quickly go into controller or victim and just be like, okay, yeah. Like, I want you in my life, so I'm going to do this and I'm going to like adjust yeah. to what you need. And then, and fine, great. And I'll, okay, that's great. I'll do it in that way. Or I'll go to victim and be like, I've never heard. And then it's hard when you you don't, I don't, it's hard when I don't go through that feeling of like, nope, this is it. I'm going to bring in this big emotion. I'm going to bring this thing that I know is going to hurt you. And I'm going to say it in this way to bring feeling con- to like, just, oh, it's just icky. Yeah. But then instead of, and I think it took me for a long time, I'd engage with it. Yeah. Or it'd be like, well, no, you this, no, that. I like try and fight it at the same way or just go straight into victim of like, no, like I can't, of course they would do this. And I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling, but I think it just, it is always kind of shifting mm-hmm. where I don't think that anyone would necessarily, not anyone. I don't know that it's as simple as like, Someone comes to you and is so angry and is so rude to you. Yeah. It doesn't so, often seem that oh, way. Oh, no. Yeah. Well said. It does not have to be someone who's angry and rude. You know, persecutor could be someone who, let, let's say I'm late everywhere I go. Let's just say that. And someone, my friend, let's say my friend feels frustrated about that. Going straight at it. Well, well, let's go. Persecutor might sound something like, well, we're not going to be able to get dinner because we didn't leave on time. Look who showed up at 615 instead of six. But they might not even say, look who showed up. They might just say like, well, too bad we're not going to get dinner, which it's just kind of this like passive aggressive, like, 
smack mm-hmm. staying centered and feeling it would actually sound like hey i love you and you're late very often when when you've committed to be somewhere it doesn't feel good it feels like my time isn't as important to you as whatever you're doing does that feel true to you can you help me understand why can you hear it like the difference from persecutor i'm going to get i'm going to make sure you know i'm not happy about this as a yeah to can we talk about something that's affecting me in our relationship okay i like that i like that perspective okay so follow up question yeah with that same example if i it was talking with someone that often goes to perpetrator right and i was like persecutor, persecutor sorry yeah no so i was talking to someone that often goes to persecutor yeah and was like hey like i really would love it if you'd show up on time like my time yeah is valuable i don't have a lot of time and i sent out this time for you and i'd love to spend that time with you and they're like well i could only get here at 6 15 so yeah. is that like is the the stubbornness of that yeah is victim persecutor controller combined okay because center would sound like this i'm really sorry i was late I told you I'd be here and I wasn't. And I can totally understand why that feels frustrating to you. Here's what was going on. My grandma fell. I I either had to drive past her or get her up. I chose to stop and help her. And you're right. I'm late. I'm sorry. And that gives you the space to be able to say, no, I get it. But if there's always someone falling every time they're coming, right? It, you can then you can speak honestly to that as well. Just, yeah, but but when there is a an unwillingness to be responsible for their choice, yes, absolutely. There, that's persecuting. That's they go into victim. Like, what do you want me to do? Okay, that's a victim space. The beauty of just being responsible for yourself and being honest and staying in the experience is you're right, I'm late. And honestly, if someone said that to you, you'd probably be like, come a little closer. Like, mm-hmm. I want you in my life. Yeah. You get to make mistakes. Yes. It, you just also, I, I would really feel so connected to you if you would be responsible for the choices as well. Yeah. Just own the mistake own that you were late does that answer your question yes so it's interesting because I, I do feel like a lot of them are kind of combinations of all three. they are so like super defensiveness with like a splash of like stubborn yeah is that more victim or is that i don't know or does it just not matter you want to know what it really is <laughs> yes I do. underneath victim persecutor and controller is fear Okay. So many people have a hard time saying, hey, I'm sorry I was late because their fault, their belief inside of them says, if you admit that, then they'll know you're actually not great, that you're not level. They attach it to their worth. To their worth. Okay. Yeah. Anyone who can't say I'm sorry, it's because their worth is attached to their behavior. Okay. And then that kind of goes into the over-explaining. Exactly. Yeah. And here's why you should be okay with this. And in the end, you actually probably would be okay with it. Yeah. It, it's like if someone spilled their meal on you, you know, they trip over a little baby. 
and they're bringing the meal to you and they spill it. And well, I don't need to apologize because it was the baby's fault. Like, like no one would be okay with that. Yeah. We're quote, okay with it in a lot of other ways. Okay. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Okay. Let's go to controller. Okay. So controller, how I see it, and you can definitely correct me, okay. is very much in like peacemaker. Mm-hmm. Like what I envision my mom when I was eight. Yeah. Be a peacemaker. Yeah. And I think... And by the way, I said controller, but earlier we said rescuer. They're the same. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Just very much like peacemaker in the sense of if they're angry, then control control or rescue the situation so that they're not angry anymore so that everyone can then be happy. That's exactly what it is. It's like, oh, it's fine, fine. Diffuse. You want diffuse it. Yeah. Diffuse it. Yeah. It, it often can show up in families like there's one child that's adamant about where we go out to eat. Right? Yep. Everyone just kind of, okay, because they want to actually be able to have a nice dinner. Mm-hmm. And you do that long enough. And yeah, that that dynamic feels uncomfortable, really uncomfortable. It, it can happen, you know, I want to sit in this place in, in the house, or maybe I'm really warm. Like, I feel really warm, but I know you're kind of hot, you're kind of cold-blooded. And so I won't say anything because I don't want to upset you. I don't want you to be uncomfortable. So at what point is it just being like, I don't know, what's the word? Like accommodating? I don't know. Like, yeah, no, what's generous. Well, yeah, what's the difference between being kind and just saying it's just not that important and also like going into control or rescue? Like, where's that line? Yeah, good question. Because first of all, I would always say, check your motive. Okay. And why am I not saying something? I think the line would be, am I trying to control the environment? Is my motive to try to control this person's feelings to make, you can hear it in your head. I don't want them to feel bad. Oh, now I'm in control. Okay. Or I don't want them to be uncomfortable. Okay. Now I'm in control. I'm rescuing. I'm rescuing them from their feelings, like almost like they're not capable of being responsible for their own feelings. So I'll do it. Okay. And guess what? Rescuers are loved and adored. We praise them from all that's places. That's hard. Yeah. That's hard because then I think we talked about it earlier, that's where they find value. Like they don't know, feel that they have as much worth if they're not helping. Other yeah. Rescuers often feel lonely, even though they're surrounded by people. They feel exhausted. They feel incapable to do all that they're supposed to do. But really, they're supposed to is what they've created. I should be doing this. And in truth, we can control our own thoughts, our own feelings, our own behavior. Yes, I I think that that is definitely a really good way to explain it. Would you say that a lot of it is, like how much of it would you say is avoidance? Like if my nephew's playing with a triceratops dinosaur yeah. and he and the, if i'm playing with it yeah not playing with holding it and he needs it in that moment i'm gonna give it to him one because i don't maybe it's something because yeah. i don't really care yeah. but also to like avoid the two-year-old's reaction to me having his toy yeah but like how much of it is like i know that like is it only relevant if you know that the other person's gonna freak out about the air yeah no again i would check your motive 
Okay. No, does does baby get everything they want all the time because we don't ever want him to have any emotion but happy? That, be be careful because those babies grow up. Yeah. And they don't know how to feel any other emotion but happy. Okay. Right. So so you just want to you want to just be honest, like, oh, this is his toy. You bet you can have that. Or let me help you get it. But just notice it if you're if you're constantly trying to keep them from feeling any other emotion but happy. We do it as adults. I promise you, once we talk about it, and as you're listening to this podcast, you're going to notice it. So rescuers are wonderful people, and we all rescue at different times. Yeah. But just when we want to do something generous, when we want to be kind, when we want to be warm with someone else, just ask yourself, what's my moment? Am I afraid of another emotion? That's a good question. Yeah. I like that. Am I afraid of another emotion? Yeah. So that's kind of, that's something you maybe could be avoiding or like trying to dance around. Yes. The diffuse, like diffuse yes. this right now to avoid yes. living in that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We, we want just all happy emotions and we don't. We want connection. That's what we really want. Our brains are wired for connection. And we're several podcasts in and hopefully that people are hearing that over and over again. Our brains are wired for connection. So when we go into drama, when we go into victim, persecutor, um, rescuer, or controller, what happens is we, in a a need or a desire to connect with ourselves or others, we do a pseudo kind of, we try to connect, kind of hotwire a connection. Okay. Instead of just experiencing whatever emotions, you know, or going head on. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I have a question. Okay. We didn't talk about this before. So I'm okay. putting you on the spot a little bit. Okay. But with certain relationships, yeah. do certain people show up a certain way consistently? For example, like if there's someone in my life and they constantly show up as per- persecutor, is that what it is? Mm-hmm. I keep saying wrong. <laughs> as, as the prosecutor. As the prosecutor. Well, persecutors are the judge and the jury. Okay. So that kind of fits. So good. Well, there we go. So if someone in my life constantly shows up as a persecutor and my tendency with them, you know, engaging in the drama is mm-hmm. to immediately go to victim or immediately go to control. Is that kind of, can that turn into a dynamic of my relationship with that person? You bet. In fact, controllers or rescuers love victims. Okay. And, and even victims and controllers are, are are okay with persecutors because it's almost like we learn how to show up and we can stay in these roles much, much easier. But especially, yes, I would say rescuers love victims, even persecutors, because they can, they can, you know, kind of diffuse the situation by giving or creating a space where they're not upset. Okay. So I guess like it kind of like not cause and effect, like, is it more like rescuer and the victim like connect in that way? Yeah. Can it also be like, I am more of a victim in my relationship with you and I am more of a controller in my relationship with them. Yes. And so it's like, it's not yes. necessarily like I am inherently a victim in my life. No. And yeah. that is me. Oh, you can but, be all. But you can be all of them and you show up in different relationships. Yes. So how do you get out of it? <laughs> That's a good question. How do you get out of it? You choose to be honest, humble, 
responsible, vulnerable. You live in the present. You refuse to give away your agency or your power. Just in all of those places, persecutor, victim, rescuer, you give away your agency, you give away your power, you give away this ability to learn, grow, and progress in your experience because you're too busy managing, you know, in those different roles. If if I had to say one thing, you you decide that you will be 100% responsible for your own thoughts, your own feelings, your own behavior. And I would also say, Abby, validate. Or validate, validate, validate. So often we go into those roles because we don't feel seen, heard, or valued. And we always, we want that from other people, but truly I don't persecute anyone the way I persecute myself when I go, when I am in shame or, you know, so we're probably the worst to ourselves. So start there. Notice that. Do I persecute? Do I try to control? Do I go into victim? about it i think that is a really i don't know encouraging way to think about it and like that there's a place to start and that place isn't necessarily going into your most complicated relationships and trying to navigate it but um kind of thinking it like your and your own thoughts and trying to reframe some of that yes yes okay abby before we finish because time's gone again i know i want to do some reading Okay. I want to ways that we might possibly think or see things. What are different ways to look at them? What are different ways to think about them? So some victim, persecutor, controlling or rescuer thoughts might sound like. I'll never be good enough for you. Changes to it's really important to me to be to feel valued and seen in a relationship. So I, I may make a different choice. You're so good. Okay, next one. I suck at math. What does that become? Math feels difficult for me. And I know it's important for me to learn these uh, these principles and the that whatever you learn in math, algorithm, whatever those things are. <laughs> Equations. Equations. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I'm going to work. I'm going to spend extra time. I'm, com- I'm going to commit extra time to that so that I can feel confident going into the test. Okay. You don't care about me. What does that become? You don't care about me would be changed to, I care about you. And I'm not okay with how you're treating me. Okay. I like that. A lot of it is like coming back to yourself. I am responsible for me. A lot of it is coming back to the responsibility. Abby, I can't tell you, I mean, it's such a human experience that we are constantly trying to tell, especially in relationships, like marital relationships or dating, where they like, no, you know, we keep trying to convince them that what they're doing is hurting. And in the end, we want them to change because we don't want to have to make different choices. We don't want to have to say certain things. So if you could just change, you don't even care about, yeah, you don't even care about. I'd be so much happier in this relationship if you just cared about me. If I was just enough for you. That's exactly right. And when you choose to get out of drama, that would just sound like, I care about you and I'm not okay with how you treat me. Okay. I like that. Should we do a few more? A couple more. It's not fair. Just It's not fair in general. Yeah. Anytime we go to it's not fair, 
I would just say that's true. You're right. Life isn't fair. Yeah. It was never meant to be fair. And anytime we go there, we've gone into victim, persecutor, and rescuer all at the same time. So it's not fair that my furnace went out. Okay. It's also not fair that I have a nose that I can smell the burning rubber or that I have eyes that I could see the smoke. It's also not fair that I have a house or that I can, I, I have locks on my doors, right? There's a lot of people who don't have any of those things. Life is not fair. So it's not fair turns to, I feel scared about how much it's going to cost to put in a new furnace. Yeah. Like Just, going back to that feeling, yes. the feelings that you're having yes, and not any worth or anything yes. else attached to it. Yes. I like that. Okay. Saying yes when I mean no. Yeah. Saying yes when I mean no is me rescuing or trying to control, right? So instead of saying yes, let's say you and I met at the grocery store and we hadn't seen each other forever and you're like, oh, I, let's get one. I'll call you. Yeah. Let's connect. Let's get lunch. So instead of trying to control, like, yes, totally call me for sure. But having no intention of really going. It would just sound like you, it was wonderful to see you. Thank you for being such a good friend and person in my life. Yeah. And if they're like, no, I mean, really, I want to go to lunch. You could say, thank you for the offer. I'm not available for that right now. I like that. Just like leave it at that. That doesn't yeah. even need to come with yeah, you're a big explanation or trying to control how they're feeling with it or all of the things. You just respond. And really like, have confidence that other people can be responsible for their feelings too. Yeah. Okay, one more. Okay. You can't speak to me like that. What does that become? If I were to stay out of drama, you can't speak to me like that would turn to, I am not okay with how you spoke to me. That doesn't feel good to me. And then I get to choose if the person, if the person is going to change or not. And then I get to choose if I stay there in that relationship, we are not victims. We may be victimized and many people have been greatly victimized in their life, but we don't have to live in a victim place. Again, I said this at the beginning, we go here so often to protect ourselves, but what it really does is it keeps us stuck in pain when we're pointing always at other people and like you're responsible for my feelings, then we're going to be in a lot of pain in our life. So that's my invitation today. If if we're ending, Abby, what could someone use? What could they what could they work on this week? I think that a lot, I think a really good place to start would be to recognize, to just put an effort to recognize where this is in their relationships. Because yeah. all relationships are hard yeah. in one way or another. And I think um beginning to be open and honest with yourself in that. And then also recognize your feelings. And when you're trying to escape that, like, oh, like I have this icky feeling about this thing. And instead of trying to create a story or a timeline to it, like at least sit in it for 90 seconds, at least, yes, you yeah. know, and yeah. I don't know. What would you add to that? That's beautiful. Start with your relationship with yourself. Yeah. Notice, notice where you go into victim. Notice where you go into persecutor or rescuer or controller. One thing that I see so often, you'll notice it now that I say it, you know, someone has something, you know, my car broke down 
it is amazing to me how often someone will be like, you know what, that could have been a blessing. There was an accident. <laughs> we just needed to have it. Your car needed to break down. That's someone rescuing someone. Yeah. From their experience instead of just, oh, I'm sorry. How'd that feel? Yeah. Right. So anyway, lots of different things that we can look at and think about this week. This one is a doozy. We'll talk about this over and over again, different ways that it shows up. But you will have many choices in your day and in your week. Abby and I hope you'll choose to do the work. Do the work. <laughs> Thanks, Abby. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, share a written experience or ask me a question, go to coachchristy.life and fill out the podcast questionnaire and we'll be in touch with you soon. There are no dumb questions or experiences, just opportunities to learn and do the work. Have a great week.